0: I have a family of five. I have uh, I have an older sister, an older brother, and uh, my mom and dad. Uh, My mom was—they were both alcoholics. Both my parents were alcoholics. My mom was kind of my comforter as we were growing up um, in this uh, in our household. Uh, um, She—I don't remember her drinking that much in the in the early days, but as uh, I got older. she, she did drink as much as she possibly could. And, uh, but she still was my rock. She was still my, in this dysfunctional home, she was still the person that I went to and, and uh, she uh, got my love from. <laughs> my father was a, a different story. Um, my father was a, a large man, 6'4, 300 pounds. He was mean. He was jealous. He was a child abuser. He was a sexual abuser. He was a mental abuser. Uh, My father, I I don't think that he really knew how to love unless it benefited him. I think that his love was never a, a true love. hanging out in the bars a lot and building uh, models and stuff. My dad was a very jealous man. He kept track of my mom's time and where she was at a certain time. She had to be home at a certain time. Uh, My dad uh, burned her clothes several times. I remember one time me and my brother were working on our bikes in our basement. and uh, He came home and uh, was not happy with it and he beat us. Um, the only thing that I think that stopped him from beating me was my brother stepped in and said, uh, "That's enough. Start hit start hitting me. And uh, my dad was never uh, never uh, sorry for what he did. Um, I didn't see very much sadness in his heart for for things that he did. I think it took a while for my mom to finally realize that she, it was not a place for her to be, and she left. I mean, she was my rock. She was my supporter. Um, when she left, there, it all it all went downhill. Um, didn't go to school. Um, skipped school a lot. Um, set out the whole sixth grade. Um, grounded a lot. Um, you know, hanging around wrong people shop left. Started drinking at an early age. My dad was was hardly around at times. Um, he always had girlfriends in, in the later years. And he was never at home home a lot. And um, my sister moved out at an early age because of the abuse. Um, and it was just me and my brother at the home Uh, My brother was my rock then, he would, uh, I remember laying in bed and he would hold me on the the sad days and the sad nights. I remember in high school I threw a very big party and, well, I didn't start off to be a big party, but ended up to be a big party. the next morning, my dad came home and uh, chased me out of my house with uh, his pistol. And uh, I hid in the neighbor's yard until he left, and that was the last time i seen my dad for quite a few years. Um, I can't say I love my dad. Um, he was mean. I remember playing down the street and seeing his car at home. It just, just hurt me for him to be there. Um, I remember him yelling yelling on the porch my name and if anything was wrong in the house it was just it was just a, gonna be a bad bad day so it was can't say I liked them um, can't say I loved them um, he was uh It was difficult. I found myself in this circle of people that that drugs were very alive there. I, I think I've I've um, done a lot of drugs and um, I've done done heroin, I've done cocaine, I've done amphetamines donor in this group of people that I can have any drug that I want. And, and drinking on top of it. I got diagnosed with being epileptic. I had grandma seizures, and I would uh, have a grandma seizure right before I'd shoot up, and I'd still wake up and, and, and shoot up. I, I was on the road to nowhere, and I didn't care where nowhere was. I just, this was my lifestyle, and this is what I was doing.
1: God, I I pray for your peace. Uh, Your peace to overcome us, Father. Pray for your grace to be clear to us, Father. God, we come into this place with preconceptions of love and of grace, God. We think we know what love is, or what love means. We think we know what grace is or what it means, God. But Father, would you, through your gospel and through your grace on display in the life of Rick Nyhoff, would you rebuild our understanding of what grace is, Father? God, would you show us with great clarity your Son Jesus and the grace and love that he has for us? God, no matter where we are in this place, I pray for those here in great step and great communion with you, Father, that you would change. Those people, God, and for those who are far off, pray that you would change them as well, God, with this beautiful picture of your grace. Father, we thank you for Jesus who left perfect heaven in perfect communion with you to come to this earth to save and rescue worthless people. God, it's in the power of his name that I pray. Amen. We're going to hear more of Rick's story in a little bit. Um, And there is... uh, I want to kind of just get out of the way this morning and read a little bit of Scripture, talk about it for a bit, and then we're going to hear more from Rick's story. I'm reading from Romans 3, and it's going to be on the screen above me. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, and together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. As I'm studying this week and thinking about this week, I, I, we recorded the story early in the week, and so I was kind of wrestling with all of it. And, and we can, when we perceive, when we watch, when we engage in a story like this, we can really easily throw stones or think about how, how wretched some, does somebody have to be. And we can sit in a, a, a seat of condemnation but these words that are on the screen that I'm reading to you are, are words that are spoken about you before Christ. About all of us. Verse 13, some beautiful, some beautifully awful imagery. Their throat is an open grave. Disease pouring out of us, death pouring out of us. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. An asp, I didn't realize this, an asp is a, is a gentle, sweet-looking creature that has deathly venom. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. The Greek language, when we talk about a path, that's the the point that we're headed, the, the place where we intend to get. Their paths, the place where we intend to get our ruin and misery. The way of peace they have not known. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. The things that are said about us apart from Christ are awful things, open graves, deceivers, venom, curses and bitterness, shed blood, ruin, and misery. We are these things in the sight of God. We are to Jesus as Rick's dad was to him. But love compels us to something bigger than ourselves. So you see the next story. That, that statement will get huge. But love compels us to something bigger than ourselves. Love is greater than what's been done to you. Love is greater than what you've done to people. We live in a world where the way it's supposed to work doesn't work. Those who were given to you to protect you, to provide for you, to shelter you, to nurture you, don't. This is one story where that's the case. But none of us has to look very far to see failure in, in this area in our lives. But love, and again, when we come to a word that we think we have some sort of working knowledge of, like love, I, I just pray that God would teach us what it means to love. What it really means to love I thought I knew what it was, and then I met my wife, and I felt things inside of me that I'd never felt or understood before. I felt desires and and motivations to sacrifice, to give myself up. And I know I understand through the gift of God in my wife, I I understand what it means to love today more than I did a month ago and way more than I did a year ago. And when I hold my children, I understand what it means to love today more than I did before their birth. But I am a failure as a human being. I am, my mouth is an open grave, apart from Christ. And my my prayer for us is that we would come to grips with this understanding that we think we know what love is. But until we fully engage Christ, until we are removed from the sin of this world and the wretchedness of this world, we can't ever know the fullness of what it is. And I pray for us this morning that we would understand and and come into contact and engage the love of God through this story. And it would be reflective of the story of Christ. Love, as it is purely known, is bigger than than anything that's ever been done to you. And love, as it's purely known, is bigger than anything that you've done to anyone. Love is massive and it's huge. Love compels us to be and to do more than ourselves. The love of Jesus is bigger. We see a definition of pure love in 1 Corinthians 13. You've heard this before, probably in a wedding before. But here, as we seek to come to grips with what love is, let's read. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith So as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have and I deliver my body to be burned, but I do not love, I gain nothing. Now here's statements of the purity of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. And I pray that these things would ring in your mind as you hear the rest of the story. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And here is what I want you to hear. Love bears all things. Believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is love. It bears all things, all things. Love endures all things, all things. This is Christ and His love for you. 1 John 4 19 says, We love because he first loved us. I pray that this understanding of enduring and bearing all things, a light would be shined on that verse through this life. Hit that second video.
0: I remember one time in the later years that um, a friend of a friend came over and we did cocaine all night, shot up cocaine all night. And then when I when I was coming down, I was laying in my bed and I used to have this little angel I had on my dresser, and I feel God that was was weakening my heart because I felt so ashamed and so broken and so I kept thinking about how my mom would have seen me now. And that, and that hurt me. I got to meet my wife, um, my future wife I should say at that time. I knew the minute i seen her that she was going to be my wife. I knew that, that she was for me, and today I love her more. Every day I love her more. There were stipulations if I was going to be with Judy. I couldn't do needle drugs anymore. Um, she didn't want me to do drugs, but I kept snorting and taking pills and, and stuff like that without her knowing. We got married in the circle of friends that I had, there was, there was one guy that came into the circle, and his name was Ray Anderson. And Ray brought somebody in that I needed to meet. And it was Jesus. He seen something in me that I didn't know existed. He didn't look at the outside, he looked at the inside. Ray was, every day he would come down in the machine shop and talk to me. Every day he would come and pray for me, he said, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. He invited me to church. Kept in, my heart was kept on getting convicted and convicted and convicted. And so we went to church. Our whole, whole family started going to church. And uh, Ray would come over and disciple me every Friday night. And we'd get pizza and we'd, he'd read the, read the Bible to me. And he was down to earth guy that, that said it the way I wanted to hear it. And it was like it was an anointing from God. Judy's mom and dad didn't, didn't care for me too well. I didn't find that out till later in the years, but she she told me that her parents didn't like her at all, like me at all at the beginning. And I couldn't I couldn't blame them at all. Judy's mom uh, died of cancer, lung cancer. Judy was by her side every day. Then after her dad, after her mom died, her dad wanted to remarry. And God has changed me since Ray Anderson until this point. And Judy's dad asked me to be his best man at his wedding. And, you know, he had a brother that he fished with. He had two older, he had two sons, but he asked me to be his best man at his wedding. I still remember the conversation. Judy's dad got cancer a couple years later. I remember, uh, I remember, he was at his brother's house in mother-in-law's quarter in the back. And I walked into the room and he was on his bed. It was kind of dark and kind of had some light on him. I could see him. He was a shell of a man. He was all, uh, all in a fetal position. And I grabbed his hand and I asked him if I could pray for him. He said, "Yeah." and then he accepted Christ that day. And he died soon after that. I reconciled with my mom after, after years. I was so disappointed in myself for, for lying to her, saying I would, didn't have no money and, and stuff, but I was at the bars at Christmas. I didn't go at Christmas. I felt so ashamed of of myself with with my mom. During our last years of last months of came and lived with us. I reconciled with my mom after, after years. I was so disappointed in myself for for lying to her, saying I would, didn't have no money and, and stuff, and I was at the bars at Christmas, I didn't go at Christmas. I felt so ashamed of, of myself with, with my mom. In her last years of her life she, last months of her life she came and lived with us. I always left her tracks and always talked to her about God and, and she said she believed. I remember the the last day of her life, she was laying in our, our in, in her bed and I was going to work and I grabbed her hand and I told her, I'm gonna to go to work. I'll be back right after this, right after I get home three o'clock. So I come home and uh, I grabbed her hand and talked to her and, and she passed away right there when I grabbed her hand. She, she waited for me. It was, I got to feel her go-to. her internal life. Eternal life. My dad's a different story. It took years for us to start talking together, but it was under a a strict regimen. I I didn't want our kids to be involved in him. Would never spend a night with him. He was still drinking. After a while he stopped drinking, falling so much. He um, was crippled. He'd only have a wheelchair. He was on oxygen. I remember when he was 73 years old, my, my stepmom called me and said, I'm done with him. You're going to have to take him. Dad, in them seventy-three years, has eliminated everybody from his life. He's—it was his choice to eliminate everybody from his life. I could count on one, less than one, less than five people in his life that 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 to talk to. Him. So, I didn't hesitate, I didn't do, I didn't say, no, I'm not gonna do it. I knew it was God, I had to do it. I went and got him, found him a place, got him in a place. You know, it was every other day, I'd go up there and eat, eat with him. Um, I had to move him to three different places. Um, I had to do his shopping had to cut his toenails, had to comb his hair, had to give him a bath. Had to do everything for him for for 10 years. Like I said, it was started off for every other day, then it was five days a week, and then it was seven days a week. I remember coming home on Friday and crying. It hurt so bad. This guy I did not like, but it was my job to do it. He was 83 years old and had finally got to a point where he had to put him in a home. I remember uh, the day before he passed, he, uh, Judy was there at the, at the home talking to him when I came in and he was non-responsive until he heard my voice. That he knew I was there. The next day he passed. For two years there's been a void in my life. Two years every day. I What do I do with myself? didn't have nothing to do. I was talking to my son one day. I was telling him, talking about my dad, and I told him I didn't like him. My son said, you loved him, and I did. about the whole the whole thing after I gave my life to Christ I think he gave me a piece about the whole the whole family and about forgiveness and about what we're supposed to do I knew I had to honor your father and mother mm-hmm. I knew it wasn't not a, um, a choice. choice had no no he was rejected by all. There was no one there. I had to do it. I went and seen some friends that, that uh, some um, some heroin addicts and he was graduating at the Salvation Army and, and it just stuck in my mind as soon as I seen in 2 Corinthians 5.17. You know, we all become new in Christ.
1: Huff was compelled by the love of Jesus to love his dad. His love for his dad was truly without condition. May the motivation for our love be because Jesus first loved us. May the grace of God on display here compel us to love like Jesus. Romans 5, 1. Therefore since we have been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus you who were once venomous filled with curses and bitterness your mouth is an open grave the venom of asps misery and ruin deceitful are now at peace of God with God because of the love of Jesus. Through Christ, through that love, we have obtained access by faith into this grace that we now stand. We can see beautifully how this little glimpse of the story that Rick's dad had had nothing to deserve Rick to come and cut his toenails, to bathe him for 10 years. i thought about 10 years a lot this week. 10 years, that's a long time. Where were you 10 years ago? Think about that. Think about all the life that's happened to you in the last 10 years. Rick was taking care of his dad. Because of the love that Christ had placed inside of him, that's grace, and the beautiful part about that is the the fullness of our sinfulness and our, our selfishness and our the wretchedness of the open graves, the bitterness, the ruin, the misery, all of that that's true of us. Christ left heaven to come. To experience that, to experience getting slapped in the face by us, and went to the cross willingly—that is grace. And I pray that it's on display. Verse eight, Romans five eight. But God shows His love. Other translations demonstrates proves God demonstrates his love God proves his love God shows his love the the Greek word is is set beside something place something within your reach God places his love within our reach in this while we were still sinners all of that wretched Romans 3 stuff we read open graves venom ruin and misery while we were that, while we were abusive, he died for us. He sacrificed himself for our sake when we had no rights. I I wrestled with this word, compelled. I asked, didn't show up in the video, but I asked Rick after we turned it off, do you you think that you felt compelled in any way to to do this? And he really didn't know. We just kind of talked about it. We don't know. So I've been wrestling and thinking about this word compelled. What do we do under compulsion? And compulsion really is something inside of us makes us act. It's what it means to be compelled to do. Something inside of us makes us act. The love that exists inside of Christ causes him to act, causes him to leave heaven and come to this earth to, to suffer while we were still sinners, while we were still wretched. We are comp- he was compelled to leave. And this is the picture of the gospel. This is what Jesus did and is doing for you in this moment. There's no mistakes. God has orchestrated events in your life. The the awful past, the great past, the things that you've done, the things that have been done to you. He's orchestrated those things to put on display the grace of, of what he's done for you. And here, now, in this moment, he is pursuing you through the grace of God on display in Rick's life and through the memories that are rushing through your brain right now to bring peace to you. This is God pursuing you, holy creator God who spoke the world into existence is pursuing you in this moment to say to you, the love that I have, the love that you think you know but you have no clue about, that love compelled me to go to the cross for you so that you might have peace and you might experience the life that you were intended to experience so that the wrong that you've done and the wrong that's been done to you can be minuscule in comparison to this great love that I have. This is Christ speaking this to you. This is God. Let's pray and respond to that. God, I pray that your gospel is on display. I pray that we would get out of the way and allow your spirit to move, God. I pray that you would draw people to yourself, God. Those who are far off from you, those who are near to you, and those who don't know you. Draw them to yourself, God. May the gospel be on display may your son and his love for us be on display may your grace be on display and may you compel us to respond we thank you for jesus oh how we thank you for jesus it's in his name that i pray